Well, hello, sir. Hello, Ben. I'm seeing you in a new pod context. Yeah, what's your background's different. Your mic is a little different. Yes. Your hair looks better. It does. <laughs> wow. This not having a job has been kind to me already. <laughs> that didn't take long. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in my apartment in Boston, in Beacon Hill. Nice. So you're unemployed. What have you been up to? Oh, nothing. Just hanging out. <laughs> Kicking your feet back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kicked back for about a few hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, it's been my first week. It's Thursday. Uh, Monday was my first day as a free person, effectively, mm-hmm. in a long time. And it's been overall good, but it has definitely been a mixed experience already. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. So it was crazy to wake up Monday morning and be like, I don't have to do anything or go anywhere. Yeah. But I probably should. Right. And so you know, I got my laptop and got up and started some stuff uh, going. Uh, so I actually got a fair amount done this week. And uh, one of the big things I was working on is looking for a co-working space, mm-hmm. which I did find. Uh, I'm going to be working out of the CIC Boston. CIC used to stand for Cambridge Innovation Center, but then they expanded outside Cambridge. And so now CIC stands for nothing. Kind of like IBM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or K- I think even KSC now is a similar mm-hmm. deal. Don't commit to stuff in your name, it turns out. It's, it's, it's good to have a generic name. <laughs> but so anyway, there's a, there's a space uh, not too far from my apartment, and it's very community-focused and have the right kind of vibe, and I'm going to be working out of there. Nice. So you pay, you pay a monthly fee. Do you get a, a dedicated desk, or are you like just kind of shared desk situation? This first this thing that I'm doing right now is a shared desk situation. I think they call it hot desks. I chose this because it's the most like interactive community type thing. Right. So I think what I'd eventually like to have is a private office because I definitely value that quiet and um, lack of distraction. But at this phase, I want the interaction with people yeah. more than I need extreme productivity. Because honestly, even in these last like three or four days... I've already felt that where it's like, it's isolating, right? No one, no one is around. And so like I'm doing stuff on my own and I'm in Starbucks and there are people around, but like I'm not talking to anybody. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like last night I was like, Oh my God, it's only Wednesday. (laughs) Like the days feel long. So I already am like confirmed, which was like my main concern is like, getting around people and interaction is going to be the big thing. Yeah. Are there a lot of software people there or is it like, yeah, what's kind of the breakup of, of the people around you from what you can tell? Yeah. So I, I only know based on what the like uh, community manager person told me as I toured through there. Um, but the, apparently there is quite a bit of software, but there's also, uh, what do they call it? The thing I'm, I'm joining is te- technically called impact hub, which I believe is for like, um, a lot of people in there are doing like social good for the world, I guess is the the gist of it. So I think it's I think it's a good mix, honestly, which is which is great. I don't necessarily need to be around just software people. Sure. So that's interesting. And also because I will be joining the CIC, which is sort of a, a larger organization just than than just that one spot, I can work out of their other places. And so like the Cambridge location is very um life sciences based. Mm-hmm. It's right next to MIT, so there's all kinds of like pharma and biotech stuff that gets spun out of there into the CIC. So I think if I want to hang out with like nerdy nerds, I can go to that one, or I can hang out with social justice people and go to the other one and <laughs> nice. kind of pick pick my social group for the day, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I did a little bit of co-working back um, in Fresno for a while before, this was before Drip had um, our own offices, before Drip had our own offices, and um, I 
yeah, there were often artists there, photographers, videographers, other creative types. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of always fun. It was always fun to have conversations with those types of people. Just kind of gets your brain thinking in different ways sometimes. Um, and just seeing their work and hearing about their stuff is, it can be kind of refreshing. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I, my, my plan, I'm hoping to sort of start there next week um, and sign up for all the things, basically. Mm-hmm. They have a ton of like community events and such, as well as like a bunch of like venture capital type things happening there. There's this thing called Venture Cafe, mm-hmm. which is like this like high end coffee shop embedded in the office building that you can work out of if you're a member. But also like I think every month they have like an event where they bring like VCs and entrepreneurs together and yeah, like pro- probably not quite my scene. Sounds like a VC mixer hub or something. <laughs> yeah, it, I, that's what it seems to be. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think I'm just going to sign up for everything at first, basically, and just get exposed to as many people as possible. Because the reality is, I don't, I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't need a million friends or like people that are working the same place I do. I just want like someone to grab coffee with, someone to get lunch with, yeah. you know, like somebody to chat with at three o'clock, take a walk. It's not about volume. It's just a, just a couple people that I like, I think will really kind of do it for me, honestly. Yeah. But you kind of have to cast a wide net initially and, yes. and, and then kind of whittle it down. Maybe you'll find one or two people in each setting, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's totally the plan. Sounds like a very strategic, developer-minded way to approach it. <laughs> <laughs> what a shock. I like it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Got a bunch of stuff, a decent amount of things squared away this week, mm-hmm. uh, which felt good. Got my uh, Vim University email capture up, which is good because Giant Robots will be dropping soonish, mm-hmm. uh, where I told people to go there and sign up if they are interested in the course. This podcast is coming along. We have a website. Uh, we're recording an episode. Yep. Signing up with Podcast Motor soon. So I have a sales call later today. I have a mastermind call later today. I'm recording with you today. So this I got a fair amount going on. Yeah, nice. What are you doing now that you, so you're you're not in the confines of a employer any longer? And I'm sure you feel like you could really be doing anything at this moment, you know? So so how are you prioritizing your work these days? Is, is your system still the same as you were doing before or has it changed? Is it evolving? My system so far is still the same. I'm still using OmniFocus. I'm trying to be really diligent, honestly, about keeping it cleaned and up to date and all that because it's easy to feel overwhelmed, especially because I haven't even quite decided for sure what I'm doing first or like what the order should be. So it's kind of like I'm pushing a few things forward simultaneously. Yeah. I guess basically like that, that consulting I talked to you about and also the, the Vim course are the main things. And so it's, uh, yeah, I'm, it's, it's easy to feel like I have no idea what to do next, right. but if I am keeping my like, tasks list task lists up to date it's like okay i'll just grab one of these that looks good and at least i'm moving something forward yeah i feel like one of the things you'll have to be actively looking out for is like if you're tending to gravitate towards the things that are fun to do and away from the parts that are not because i think you know setting up a new business there's going to be i don't know probably a 50 50 split for a while of things that are not so fun to do and things that are like rocking your world you know yeah totally I hope it's even 50-50. Yeah, maybe it'll be, I don't know, it might be even skewed more, but uh, yeah. yeah. Like, have you have you uh, thought about, like, company structure and all that no. BS? <laughs> well, I've, th- I've thought about it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, there's a bunch of administrative stuff to do, like health insurance and things of that nature. So there's there's plenty of things that I don't want to do that I'm going to have to do. 
I think that will be okay. But yeah, you're right. I'll, I do need to watch out about not just doing the fun things. Yeah. But man, it's, it's crazy. I, ha- I do kind of have to keep uh, reminding myself like, all right, just take deep breaths. You're, you're, you're good. It's like this, it's this, the, the, like the way it is this week is not necessarily how it will be next week. And it's not necessarily a thing you do forever. And I'm just sort of trying to keep my, keep perspective, I guess, and not be like, oh God, what did I do? Right. Yeah. Have you, have you regretted your decision at all yet? Uh, no, I wouldn't say regretted. Yeah. I would say had concerns mm-hmm. where it was like, I was worried about the isolation and like on Wednesday afternoon, I'm like, yeah, this is real. Yeah. Uh, and it sucks. Uh, and if it's like this all the time, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say I've been like, oh, I should go back. But uh, I already am feeling the, the the thing, some of the things that are the not so good parts. Yeah, I experienced some, like a similar type of thing when uh, Drip was acquired by Lead Pages, and part of that was um, me and my wife, and and also Rob and his family, um, and Anna from the Drip team, all relocating from. Fresno, California, out to Minneapolis, and um, it's not—it's not something I had ever experienced before. You know, moving—I mm-hmm. basically lived in the same place my whole life. So, all of a sudden, you realize it's not quite the same situation. But when you move like that, you realize, wow, you only have a few humans that you know in this city, <laughs> as opposed to like mm-hmm. the place where you grew up, where you know hundreds. You know, and yeah, um, and like yeah, all all things that you're accustomed to are brand new like you find your new neighborhood coffee shop and your new restaurants you like to go to and the new like things you like to do for fun um and it was pretty daunting like i think i handled it in one way my wife handled it in her own way and it was just you know it was an interesting thing and it took a while to get feeling comfortable again you know and i imagine it's it's pretty yeah. similar when you leave a job you've been at for years and and now it's like your mm-hmm. your structure of your day is completely different Totally. And, and some of that is nice. Like Monday or Tuesday, it was like beautiful outside. Yeah. And so at like two o'clock, I was like, all right, I think I'm done here. Right. I just packed up my stuff and like walked around Boston Common for an hour and like did a couple errands outside. Like it was, it, it was, the, the flexibility was nice. Yeah. But it, it's definitely will take some getting used to. Start milking the perks of being independent. <laughs> like I can work when I want, where I want. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, I think I'm going to try to establish like a really, consistent schedule Mm -hmm. because structure is something that works well for me Mm -hmm. uh, and just like a consistent effort is sort of I think really effective and so I think basically once I'm set up in a place in that co-working space it's like okay I'm going to work these hours uh, and just stick to that and that way I don't get a little bit like go too far off the rails yeah I've gone through different phases of like I'm I'm working on this app like early days of Drip for example. Um you know I'm building this app and at that point I was not married yet and so I had way less, you know, built-in structure into my life. So I was like, hey, I can work on it, you know, late hours of the day and then I can get up early if I'm if I'm up and like work on it then and then take part of the day and do whatever I want and that didn't that wasn't sustainable for me. I it probably is for some people, but just like not having a consistent schedule for me doesn't wasn't really working. Like I was finding myself like stressed certain days to be like, Oh man, I need to get my work in today. But because, because of the way I've chosen to like work late the previous day, now I'm hosed today. And I don't know, it's like, I've, I've tended to to gravitate towards a more um, consistent schedule myself, even when you have the freedom to not do that, you know? So I think it's just like a matter of finding what works for you is ultimately. uh, Yeah, totally. And, And there's that danger 
I think one part of that's the setting the schedule is when you're going to work, but also when you're not going to work. Yeah. Because it's like so easy to just like let that stuff creep into the evening and then the late evening and then the nighttime. Uh, like I had to stop myself from doing some of that last night. Um, but I want to have an explicit cutoff because especially with like um, technical type work or de- like development work or like intricate things, like you're not your best at 10 o'clock. Like at least I'm not, I should say, after a full day. And like you tend to just like make more mistakes and, and make less progress than you could if you were doing it later. Yeah, I feel like there's a curve of like, I don't know if it's glucose in your brain or what it is, but like mine peaks early in the morning after I've had my first coffee. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. I can solve problems. And then it just gradually declines. I'm just depleting that supply throughout the day. And like if I'm trying to work through a problem, sometimes I can get like creative stuff done late at night, which is a little bit different. But Mm -hmm. if it's like hardcore technical problem, then, um, you know, it'll seem insurmountable late at night. And then I'll wake up the next morning and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's that's right. It's pretty easy <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah totally same same um I, I th- my plan my hope is to sort of win the mornings mm-hmm. because i find if i have like a good morning the rest of the day is just kind of like gravy yeah it's like yeah you maybe sneak in a few sort of like shallow tasks yep uh in the afternoon and whatnot or just just be like all right i made good progress i'm done like i'm knocking off at two or whatever it is i find it easier to get in the zone in the, in the earlier hours mm-hmm. me too and like picking a few I think they call it like big rocks or something like the few big things you want to get done that day yeah. and trying to knock those out in the morning. And then everything else, like you said, is, is gravy. So mm-hmm. that can be good to make it feel like you're not. Yeah. Cause one of the problems with having, with being super flexible on schedule and all that is one, you're free. So that's good. But two, like if you can feel like you're the work never stops, like you're working all the time because it's so split up by times of not working. So, yep. And I don't want that feeling. I need, I need that recharge. Yeah, totally. I think we all do. Did I talk to you last time about going, about hiking the Appalachian Trail or Hong Kong? Did those come up? I have them on my notes, but I, I don't remember if we talked about them. I think you mentioned Hong Kong for sure. Okay. Yeah, I had these plans where I was like, okay, my, I have a friend who's hiking the Appalachian Trail, so I'm going to go join him for like a week. And then I have a friend who like just quit his job and he's in Hong Kong. I'm going to go join him for a month. Yeah. And I thought about it more and more and talked to my mom, who is a very smart lady who knows me very well. And it was kind of like, is now the best time to do both those things? And it's kind of like, yeah, maybe not actually. Yeah. And like the, the conclusion I came to was those both sound fun. But first of all, like they both are available later. Like my friend will be hiking the trail all summer and my other friend lives in, still just lives permanently in Hong Kong. So like visiting will be as possible later. And I think I would enjoy both those activities more when I have a little bit more like laid down. When mm-hmm. things are like a little bit more rolling along and it's not so like in flux. Yeah. Like I have plenty of uh, weirdness and change going on right now. I don't need to like also change location and do other weird stuff. Right. I, I would agree with that. I think I've, I've thought about like wanting to do similar types of travel or whatever. And I have some, some flexibility to do that even while, you know, employed at lead pages, like they have a great, great um, vacation policy and all that kind of stuff. But like, then I start thinking about, well, what, what am I going to be dealing with at that moment? And is the timing really right? And so it's like important to think of your, your, yourself, put yourself in, in that future position. How am I going to feel? Am I going to be stressed because I'm doing this right now? You know? So yeah, I'd rather make, yeah, exactly. I think it'll be more, I basically just, it'll be more fun later. Like I can do it later and I honestly think I'll enjoy it more. Um, and I'll, I can, yeah, once I get some stuff rolling putting off getting really established for like another month or two. It's just kind of like, eh, is that really, I feel like that's just going to make me feel worse. Yeah. 
you might start to get stressed because right now you have a burn rate, right? Essentially. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy when that flips from <laughs> income rate to burn rate. Right. Yep. Savings rate to, to negative. So perhaps like at least making a significant dent in that burn rate would would help ease your mind and let, allow you to... Yeah. So I talked to this friend of mine who I like for being a little bit... He's sort of an out-of-the-box kind of guy. He's good for like throwing curveballs my way. And it was interesting. We had dinner the other night, and he's like, so what are you thinking about doing? And I pitched him on sort of three ideas that I have thought about working on. Um, and he was like, okay. He's like, do you want my thoughts? And I was like, yeah. And so he's like, all right. Well, and he gave some feedback on the individual ideas, but he said... More generally, those all sound like things that you might have done with ThoughtBot. Hmm. It's like, I would encourage you to think a little bit more broadly right now because your constraints are kind of gone now. And so it may be that the, like a great thing for you is something that would not have been feasible before. Hmm. And I thought that was a really great point. Yeah. Um, so... It's, I'm trying to like, I feel like I'm in a weird place where I'm trying to balance like, okay, what's practical? What do I think will reduce the burn rate quickly? Yep. Um, what do I understand and what feels, what feels close at hand and feasible versus like, okay, if you could do anything, what makes me happy? Mm-hmm. Like, what have I enjoyed in the past? What might make me happy? Right. Um, what might I do now that I could kind of do any of the things? Yeah, I think there's a, so there's like a big kind of like, what do you aspire to do type of goal in there? And then there's also a practical concern of like, how can I get to profitability or break even on my personal expenses as quickly as possible? I think the two are, the two are kind of at odds with each other and they may end up aligning or you may have to say, which, you know, this is a mistake that a lot of founders make, I think is like assuming that they can go for whatever big idea that they had and it'll also get them to, you know, personal profitability in a a time that they need it. So I think, I don't know, I, I, what I like about your approach is it's like, it's pretty classic stair-stepping of like, do some things that are pretty, pretty solidly in your wheelhouse that mm-hmm. feel like pretty sure things of working. And then mm-hmm. from that, see what may fall out of that. That's a bigger idea that, that maybe there's less certainty, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I like the hybrid approach that you're taking, but yeah, I mean, it is interesting to, to consider like, are there things that could check both boxes that can, mm. you know, you know, be, be the practical, like get you to profitability, but also be something that's, you know, maybe, maybe a bigger idea or something. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that makes sense for now. I'm, I'm fairly happy with, like I, I had a call with someone yesterday and we were talking about fairly large scale, sort of more grandiose ideas mm-hmm. that would be bigger projects and harder and longer roads to profitability, but mm-hmm. also really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm I'm pushing forward the simple stuff, and I'm also kind of slowly pushing forward the other stuff. Yeah. So, I think I'm going to try to hang out in this space for a little bit. Getting income is, I think, will go will be helpful for me mentally. Yeah. But it's not an emergency. Like, I quit with a big buffer, very intentionally. Yep. And so, it's like even if it took three months to kind of find the thing, even if it took six months or even longer, I'm good. I'm not going to like not pay rent or you know be freaking out. Well, mm-hmm. I might freak out, um, but not from <laughs> not for financial reasons. I think sure. Um, so I have a little bit of that flexibility, and so I just want to make sure I don't get like too obsessed with like the near term, make money, and miss out on the like you can do literally anything, dude. Like 
figure out something that sounds awesome and fulfilling and, you know, work on that too, at least. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's, that's, that's a good way to think about it. And yeah. And tell me if you, uh, if I, if, if any of that sounds crazy. No, I mean, it doesn't sound crazy. It sounds like, you know, I think you don't want to take your eye too far off of the things that are going to get you, get your burn rate down. Because I think that's, I think that's going to be an increasing stressor, even though you have the buffer. I know, well, if I'm putting myself in your shoes and say I have some buffer, <laughs> I would still, I think still that like watching a net negative every month is going to, is going to eventually stress me out, you know? So I don't think it has to be both. I don't have to be like, I'm going to put all my focus and effort into these small ideas that are safe and going to get me money. You know, I don't think it has to be like 100% that. I think you can definitely still be, and taking a methodical approach to to the bigger ideas of like, not just picking something that sounds big and audacious and just kind of going all in, but, and I, I don't think you would ever do that anyways. You'd be very methodical in, in your decision making. So I think still like vetting things, ideas like that, as like a background thread while also moving forward, the things that are going to get you get your burn rate down um, is totally reasonable from my, from my point of view. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I appreciate that. And I, I, I definitely want your, uh, your input on that stuff. I'm going to need a sounding board more, more than ever. Yeah. So happy to if, do I, if you hear me say something, you go, uh, well, <laughs> you're welcome to push back. Cool. I tweeted about leaving ThoughtBot uh, yeah. a couple days ago. That generates so, some buzz. Yeah. It did actually more than I expected. Yeah, like 350 email subscribers or something like that. Like a, a good number of people were like, "Yes, I want to hear about this." It was kind of link baity that tweet, right? Um, so a little intentionally. I saw uh, some comments like the most, the like highest converting tweet for you probably ever or something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it worked really well, and they're still like streaming in, so that's pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm realizing that like one of the things I definitely neglected during my thoughtbot time was like maining, like building my own email list. And mm. like mm-hmm. my own audience, mm-hmm. like had a huge, like a pretty awesome audience through Thoughtbot, but yeah. none of that travels with me. And so right. here we are with our own new podcast. And as yep. of right now, zero <laughs> listeners. <laughs> and so trying to build up the email list and just just put get access to people in, in mediums that I actually control. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm even anxious to see what you're gonna what you're gonna publish. You basically you teased and said uh, sign up to the newsletter to find out what i'm doing right <laughs> so, the details the details yeah yeah i i'm curious too <laughs> but i have a couple uh long bus rides in front of me so i'm gonna do some writing it's gonna be interesting to kind of do a retrospective and and a, a forward-looking perspective yeah so um we got a little a little more time what's new in Dripland? i don't want to monopolize too much no yeah yeah so Dripland is is good we just um so occasionally lead pages brings in a um, speaker to talk to the whole company, just something kind of inspirational, relevant to what the whole company is working on. Mm. And um, they, they just brought in their fourth speaker and it was Brennan Dunn, who mm. uh, from doubleyourfreelancing.com, the longtime microconf attendee, yep. now runs his own conference and does a bunch of speaking. Pretty cool guy. And he was drip user number five. So, nice. um, and he's been one of the, He's been one of the most instrumental drip customers just in terms of like giving us that innovator feedback, <laughs> you know, um, he really helped us push the product into the level of power that it provides today. With that being said, like a lot of the stuff that he needs is probably not what, you know, 80 to 90% of your ordinary drip customer would need, but he gets, he helps us to get thinking in terms of like 
what, how can we really innovate in the marketing automation space? Mm-hmm. So it was fun to see him come. He talked, he talked to the company about kind of his personalization stuff that he's been doing where he, and he, so he has like a JavaScript library, he calls it drip pro tools that hooks into drip and like takes whatever personalization data you have about the subscriber and helps you cater the messaging in real time on your website, which is super awesome. And then he's also working on a new SaaS product called Write Message to like turn this into a service. But anyways, that was just that was really fun and energizing. I, I always forget sometimes forget how fun it is to talk to like a true power user and just kind of like do some brainstorming. And I think I don't know, I think it's it's something that I'm looking forward to getting getting back to more um as we kind of the as the drip team gets settled in kind of our higher headcount we've been hiring quite a bit and um you know we're we're working actively towards bringing someone in to kind of focus and lead the charge on our scaling efforts um because it's really become clear that we have kind of two distinct units of drip one just kind of like making the back end scale well and one pushing forward with features so we call it like the back end team and the core product team and you know, I've kind of been straddling both of a fair amount. And it, in weeks where we have like a lot of uh, queuing problems or database, slow database queries or whatever, then I my eye gets off of the core product stuff and, and onto back end for a little while. So it's been fun. Like we've, we've been, the last few weeks have been a pretty quiet few weeks in terms of back end problems. And it's been so refreshing. I think the whole team, we have a weekly uh, engineering uh, stand-up for 30 minutes. And I think we were all like, if you compare our faces to last week's meeting versus the one before it was like night and day. Like we, I think we were all wearing the stress on our faces when mm. the queues were backing up and, and the database was giving us issues. So like, it's going to be really fun to, I think w- once we have kind of someone leading the charge on the backend scaling, it's going to free Rob and I up a lot to just be thinking more about like what innovative features can we push out to make drip users more awesome. So, and, and I think talking to Brennan kind of ignited a little bit of that inspiration for us. So yeah, uh, good things to come. Yeah. That's cool. Is, does Rob get in, it sounded like the way you phrase that, that Rob gets involved or at least distracted or something when the, when scaling stuff happens. Is that true? Yeah. He gets distracted just because like, although he's not writing code or like, you know, being hands on in that sense to solve the problem, I think like inevitably both of our brains, his included, start like problem solving and we start feeling like, okay, we need to, we need to help contribute to solve this problem. And so it just ends up being a distraction for almost everybody on the team, which would be nice to get a little bit more of a firewall in place. I think that comes with having more, more people who's sole focus is to think about these problems. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think anytime there's like hardcore technical problems that may impact the customer experience, it's hard for Rob and I not to both be kind of consumed by that, you know? Totally. Yeah. It's like an open loop for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. But I I agree that it makes sense to me that hiring someone who's, who's focusing on that might help both of you kind of be like, all right, someone else is thinking about this all the time. I can stop thinking about this. I I trust that person. Yeah. It has become pretty clear that like we that we really should not be doing that type of problem solving. Like I feel like I've re-architected my last major subsystem of drip. <laughs> At this point, it's like it's like someone else needs to own this and they need to put draw on their experience from, you know, scaling similar types of systems for the past 
X number of years that they've been in the industry and take their learnings and apply them to drip. Cause we're just, you know, we're getting to that next level of scale where one master Postgres database is probably not going to cut it for much longer, you know? So gotcha. that'll be an interesting, interesting person to hire. sounds like that'd be a, a highly in demand skill set that would be tough to come by. It has been, yeah, it, we've been talking to some folks. There's a lot of like, it's not quite the thing where you can just like throw a job posting up and get a, a flood of candidates and then you pick the best one, you know, it like doesn't quite work that way. We've been kind of working the networks a little bit. This person knows this person who works at this place, having coffee with people. Uh, it's, it's tough because obviously these people are well-employed, well-compensated. And so, you know, luring someone over is, is a challenge. I think we're, we're zeroing in on some really interesting leads and I can talk more about them as things develop. But, um, I'm I'm feeling optimistic. I will say that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Suitably vague. Yes. Cool. Yeah. I'm I'm seeing like like these little design changes keep showing up in the UI, which is nice. They all seem oh, like positive improvements. It's been, it's been so nice having someone de- like there there again an example of someone dedicated to the problem space of make drip look better and more usable. I mean, more importantly, more usable, but also fresh coat of paint. You know. Yes. And. I think it's been fun for him to to make these sweeping changes and you know we we still move pretty fast so like he'll think up a design we'll kind of work through the details of it and then he'll code it up in HTML and CSS and if it looks good it gets shipped you know and I think that's that's probably like crack for a designer to be able to <laughs> to uh move that fast on on redesigning stuff but I think it's been like subtle enough where it's not it's not going to necessarily disrupt the users, like make them feel like jarring changes have been made, you know? Hmm. Yeah, no, I wouldn't um, say that. I, so he's got like a, a, a nice touch of subtlety where it's just like, oh, that looks a little bit different and it looks nicer, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, just yesterday I deleted a subscriber from my list of subscribers without d- drilling down into this group subscriber. This is the little drop down on the right now. <sighs> That's been big. And I was like, that was like it's the little. It was such a small thing. Like probably, that probably took a couple days at most. But it was like, oh, nice. I can do this. Just it just saves me some time now. I love that. Yep. And I think we're yeah we're starting to roll out like a unified way to view lists of resources throughout the whole app. And we're going to try to use the same patterns everywhere. So like you know you'll you'll click into a campaign and there's like four tabs at the top where you can view the subscribers or you can view the emails or you can you know look at some stats. And just the raw settings page. And now, like, instead of always forcing you to click the campaign and then click a tab, there's always going to be like a little drop down on the right hand side of the item when you're viewing it in the list to quickly jump to the place you need to go. And yeah, that's just one of those little touches that uh, we're like, we started with the campaigns page and now we're like rolling it out everywhere. Um, yeah, that's cool. So. It's like the uh, Apple 3D touch thing. Where you can like force touch a thing and like a couple options come up. Yeah, exactly. Right. Here are the four common things you probably want to do that you can jump directly to as opposed to having to go into the app. Yeah. And another thing we're like, like we're running up against is like people people are having more and more trouble finding things in their drip accounts because, you know, imagine a, an account like the lead pages one has hundreds of workflows. I think hundreds of campaigns, lots of one-off rules, just like all their pages are paginated and have many things in them. Yeah. And so search is another big thing that we're starting to move towards, like having contextual search on all the pages. And then what I really want to do is something like, like the spotlight search on your, on your Mac, you know, where you just like 
something spacebar and just start typing and you can f- quickly locate any resource um, if it you know matches the the search query so i'm into it yeah i think it's going to be i love fuzzy search like, yeah i love it on my mac i think that's that's a great idea and it, it was funny like brennan made the remark of course this is, he's a developer by training so like he's he's told the the audience when he was giving his talk like this is what happens when a developer learns how to market right so he's talking about all his all his fancy um conditional you know message catering that he does and he also said like i think of drip not as a email marketing platform but as like a what did he call it like a generic job queue or something that happens to send email <laughs> so and and i sometimes think of it that that way too like because workflows are so powerful you can I mean, they're like a subset of a programming language in essence, because you can do conditionals, you can do forking, branching logic, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes sometimes I get a little bit frustrated because I'm like, I want to be able to have all the conveniences that I have in my code editor available in Drip. <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. the fact that I can't even, like normally if, I'm, if I need to locate something and I don't know exactly which file it's in, I just do a global search for it, you know? And it's like there's no such construct right now in Drip. So I think... I don't know. Again, like this is, I have to be cautious not to only w- want to build things for the developer minded customer, you know? But I think, um, I don't know. If we can get the user experience to the point where anyone could, could leverage the feature, then that's really the sweet spot, right? Cool, man. Well, sounds good. Yeah. Good stuff happened. All right. Well, how about we uh, wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. For now, I guess I'll just say, uh, have a good week. It's good talking to you. Good talking to you too, man. All right. Later.